This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. We want to give a shout out to Dr. Terry Hernandez, the Public Relations Concentration Coordinator at Mississippi State University, and the students there in her class. She uses the PR Podcast to teach her class and to talk with her students, uh, and we are honored that she does that. Um, and she uh, contacted me a little while back, um, letting us know she wanted to get some resources and some materials. Uh, and so we were working on getting her those things. But I was just so touched and so honored um, that someone is using the PR podcast in that educational kind of way um, to train the PR people of the future. Um, it's it's one of those do as I say, not as I do <laughs> <laughs> kind of situations. You know, I'm, I've been at this for 25 years and I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but hello to everyone there at Mississippi State University. Uh, and thank you so much for being loyal listeners. Now let's get on with our show today and introduce our guest. Stephen Chavez is CEO of Chavez PR, an independent minority-owned public relations and marketing firm in Los Angeles, where he helps clients connect with the diverse demographics that are shaping today's consumer landscape. He's a DEI advocate and a community builder who is also the president of the LA chapter of the Public Relations Society of America. Stephen, welcome to the PR podcast. Thank you, Jody. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Let's talk, let's talk about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It is a big issue. It's an important issue. Um, let's just level set that, you know, how do you work with DEI and, and your perspectives on DEI? Right. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And there's actually now the, uh, the idea floating around to add the word belonging. And so <laughs> I know there are some, some people out there who, you know, may not fully embrace this DEI concept and so I think they're going to also be shaken up a little bit with that that new word of belonging but I I love it I I was at a PRSA conference in Hawaii last year um, where they introduced that concept and and I love the meaning behind it meaning that not only are we embracing diversity in our in our way of you know how we will work in our work you know um, practices in our communications but also even just thinking about the concept of making sure that everyone feels be like they belong there at your place of employment or in the community. And so I, you know, I, I think we need to be brave enough, Jody, to have these tough conversations. Um, you know, white privilege is real. Let's put that out there. And particularly in our PR industry, um, the, you know, if you look at the makeup, even in Los Angeles, if I look up at the, the makeup of our PRSA organization, 70% of our membership are white. Yet, I'm also past president of the Hispanic PR Association that has, you know, 200 members in Los Angeles that rivals the amount of people in the PRSA organization. But those folks who are doing Hispanic PR are not part of PRSA. And they're not part of it because they never felt welcomed. There is this idea that, well, and that's why groups like the Black PR Society, the Hispanic PR Association, 
were formed because they weren't their needs and um, the, the resources that they were looking for were not being addressed by PRSA. So as a DEI advocate and now the president of PRSA Los Angeles, it is my mission to change that. I'm excited and proud to say that I have recruited the most diverse boards of directors of, of the LA chapter's history. And I'm gonna put it out there and I'm looking forward to having someone from another chapter challenge me. I think it's the most diverse board any chapter in PRSA has ever had. Um, we are just, if you go onto our Instagram, which is at PRSALA or onto LinkedIn and go to our page, you will see a graphic image and it's a beautiful mosaic of all the faces of our board members. And it reflects the real, you know, PR um, industry um, that I know of. And so, it, it, meaning it, it represents people from Asian American backgrounds, African American backgrounds, um, Hispanic, as well as white. And so I, I, I love that. And I think what we need to do, Jody, is um, figure out a way to have those ongoing conversations. Um, you know, I think, you know, and, and feel free to jump in here, but I think what, what organizations need to understand is like, are we creating through our actions equitable experiences? That's the one of the things I want to put out there is that, you know, are we staying, are we standing up and being courageous when we see inequity? Or now are we doing all we can to dismantle it? So let's let's take, for example, I don't know if you've seen it, Jody, but the Harry and Megan documentary on Netflix. Have you watched I it? Ha I have I have not seen it. I am uh, I'll just put it this way. I am not impressed with the Royals. <laughs> but <laughs> go but go but go ahead. <laughs> well, they they um they were in their own, you know, um right or, or mind, they 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 stood up and you know against the institution, against quote unquote the firm. And they they left the royal family and you know they moved to Canada, were in hiding. Um, and, and all of it, if you watch the documentary, it it comes out the racism, the institutional racism of the firm, of the of, of the royal family. Um, and, and it was incredible to watch. And, and understand just how subtle things can be that if you don't have that lens of diversity and, and appreciation for um, different cultures and ways of life, how quickly um, you know, it, can, it can be damaging uh, for someone who's going into that world. And so what Harry, and even in his new book that's coming out, I think in a week or two, I know he's on the talk show circuit right now. He just did an interview with Anderson Cooper um, talking about, he thinks even in his own self, there were traces of bigotry that he didn't really recognize until later that he looks back and go, you know, I, I was actually racist myself. And that's, I think that's courageous. That is courageous. It's, I mean, it's also not surprising. Let's be honest, right? If you're if you're raised in a particular cocoon, 
right? And all of that is around you. It's not surprising that that's the way you think because when you're growing up, that's what you're programmed to think and believe. The courage and what you're getting at is stepping outside of that, recognizing when you come of age or you can think for yourself, you go, wait a minute, that's not okay. And then going and to your point, doing something about it. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I hear exactly where you're coming from. You know, I, I am um, a DEI advocate as well. Um, not in, not in, in any official sense, just in terms of what I believe and how I live, um, because I think that diversity, whether it is cultural or that of thought or that of ability or whatever, that, that it, 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 it enriches us. It makes us better because it, it provides us with uh, multiple opinions. It provides us with multiple perspectives and it provides us with multiple experiences that we can then layer on top of ours. You know, your life experience is different from, uh, from my life experience. I mean, here I am, I'm a white man raised on the East coast, right? I live on the East coast. I don't have your experience of someone living of Hispanic background, living in LA. And so how do we talk and connect to enrich each other and to expose each other to those experiences and make each of us better. Yeah, I, I was lucky. I, I, I um, Early on, I was working at an agency, the MSL Group, a national firm here and um, in, in our offices in Los Angeles had a great managing director who really went out of his way to, to, make, sure it, to make sure that the staff not only was diverse in terms of our ethnic background, but diverse in social economic upbringing, um, diverse in, you know, um, LGBTQ and or, you know, diversity comes in different shapes and forms. And I think we need to have an open mind because those were, when we bring together those diverse perspectives and um, experiences into a brainstorm for a client, when you're coming up with a new campaign and you are able to recognize that the, uh, a theme that's a universal theme, let's say it's the love for the family, education. There's some, you know, um, ambition. There are some themes that, that we um, want to embrace in, in our public relations campaign that can be relevant if, you know, for different markets, whether it be the African-American, um, Asian or Hispanic or LGBTQ communities, that still are part of the overall umbrella theme of the campaign. It's how then, how smart is that team to be able to say, okay, but this is how it's gonna play out for the Latino campaign. We need to make sure that we have spokespeople who are you know, going to resonate that, has, that have influence. And guess what? I just talked with the leader of the civil rights organization called Unidos Us, and they are totally behind this kind of campaign and would be willing to partner with us on it. You know, having those connections with organizations. But if you didn't have someone on the team that had that perspective, perspective that mindset, none of that would ever be developed. The client would be missing out on a whole, you know, you know wide audience of you know, perspective consumers or users of their of their services. And so I think DEI is more of a business imperative for, and even like doing Hispanic marketing, it is now because of the growth 
of the Hispanic marketplace, the fact that our spending power, you know, um, as you know, in terms of the trillions of dollars that we are, you know, spending on, on consumer products, that alone makes it a business imperative. It's no longer nice to do. Is if you're going to survive moving forward as a brand, as a as a as a as a company, it's a must-have, right? And so DEI, I feel, is the same way. Younger audiences are asking companies to be more transparent about it, right? They want to know what you're doing. Um, they want to see, you know, you know, it's not about just saying the right things at the right moment. It's actually what's really the right thing to do is the action part of it, right? Uh, well, and that is that is a really important thing that I wanted to bring up here. And it's a great segue into what we talk about in terms of PR is translating that DEI, um, you know, it's it's important to have because it is equitable, because it is the right, the sort of the morally right thing to do, translating that into it is the business smart thing to do um, and how they meet. Um, and the way you're describing it is really eloquent uh, and 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 really important, I think, for people to understand because we can get in those bubbles of writing our press releases or pitching our experts or servicing our clients, and we can get tunnel vision or maybe not even consider the audience that we're serving from that perspective. Right. Um, and, and, so and your point, you're missing out. Yeah, I think, I think DEI needs to be treated the way any other business imperative is, meaning you hire consultants, you build teams, you bring on staff. DEI only gets solved when there's a dedicated approach to doing so with the proper manpower. Unfortunately, what's happening, particularly with PR agencies that I'm seeing, large PR agencies in this country, is that they find that one person of color who's a senior executive and put it all on them. They're hoping that person will solve the problem for that agency. Which and is, which is frankly, happen. stupid and insulting. <laughs> it's insulting and it's stupid. And I've, you know, I've got friends who I've worked with that different agency, whether it be Ketchum or, again, Edelman or the MSL group, and they are now heads of the DEI, but it's just them. And they're, yeah. you know, they are, they're struggling because they don't have a team, they don't have the, the budget behind to do anything really significant. But hey, guess what? That agency can say, we've got an EVP who's a DEI person, you know, yeah, right. DEI. So, yeah. Which basically ends up being the token fill in your ethnic background <laughs> person, which is ridiculous, right? It is ridiculous. But I think, you know, they are making a step on the right direction. I know, you know, just doing Hispanic PR for the last 25 years in my career, um, I remember there was a time when, um, you remember, I don't know <clears throat> how long you've been doing PR, but there was a time when we would de be developing new business decks and online, like social media was the afterthought and how we would, at the end of our campaign presentation, we go, there'd be one slide that would say, oh, and, and we can also do, you know, social media for you. And now how, how funny how social media is driving the entire campaign for the most part when it comes to the work we're doing in public relations. Um, and so same thing has happened with multicultural PR, 
I've been I've done you know major um, new business presentations for PepsiCo, McDonald's, Nestle, Coca Cola, where they kind of trot me out. The agency would trot me out to sort of the dog and pony show. I would sit there through a whole hour long presentation. I would have one slide where I would be able to talk about, oh, and we'll also be able to do for you some Spanish language outreach. And it was Thanks. just that one Thanks little a slide. Lot. One little slide. And with Latinos contributing, you know, again, more than like $2.8 trillion to our country's GDP, um, exceeding, exceeding like 50% of the country's growth. That that is unheard of. And so, I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous that we are not putting more weight and value um, behind and dollars um, behind efforts to reach Spanish speaking um, and even bicultural, bilingual individuals in this country. Well, you just mentioned it in passing there, and I want to put a, a, a point on this um, growth markets, right? These communities right? No matter whether who DEI community, let's just put it under the big umbrella of DEI communities. They are growth markets. Yeah. They are opportunity markets and, and businesses that are smart enough to tap into the true spirit of what you're talking about. DEI set themselves up to do far better than those who just want to peddle the you same. Look at McDonald's and Coca-Cola's of the world and PepsiCo. They've been doing this multicultural PR and marketing for years. McDonald's was one of the pioneers. Um, Disney, they understand, and they're global brands because they get it, right? And so following their models and understanding that how they recognized early on who were gonna be the um, new buyers of their brands um, and, and realizing that they needed to create programs, marketing initiatives that were going to uplift and and connect to that community uh, was so smart and so visionary that it's again laughable when you see a brand not doing it or they think well that's not really my audience because they don't think we have the money to be able to afford um, the car or the perfume or the clothing line and and it's just you know if you look at um, you know look at Bad Bunny this year and how he's dominated all of the uh, music award shows and um, how you know, Latino fashion designers are, are, are really at the forefront in the fashion and, and music scene. And, and just you can go on looking at the trends that are being set by this Latino culture. Um, and it was the same way back in the eighties with black culture, I think. Black culture was really, influencing mainstream culture. I think today it's the same, it's the same, but add in the Latino culture with that. Um, and, and you may call it urban, but it goes beyond urban marketing. It is, you know, now in mid-America. You know, and organizations like Big Brothers, Big Sisters are recognizing. I was flown out to Georgia to council um, Big Brothers, Big Sister chapters in Georgia who saw a flip. Most of their littles, the kids who were in the program, used to be all African-American. Today, the majority of the kids in their program are Latino. Well, guess what? The staff of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, the mentors, the bigs, they were all white or black. They had no idea. 
how to deal with this changing demographic. They didn't understand the cultural nuances of, of the community. And so it's important that as an organization, whether you're a nonprofit or a major brand, you identify consultants that'll help you and guide you along the pathway. So you're not making, you know, tripping over your own feet, so to speak. So what is your advice to organizations who um, either want to speak to these DEI audiences or aren't yet speaking to them, but there's an opportunity for them to speak to them. And, and I guess yeah. let me take that back because I think everybody's got an opportunity, but, let, but let's just take the question as it's posed. My recommendation is to talk to experts. There's enough experts out there like myself, you know, who can be, and would be willing to sit down, listen to where you're at as an organization, determine the, you know, the opportunities, look at your weaknesses internally in terms of what you need um, to be able to, you know, start doing the outreach needed. But I think for a lot of companies, it's daunting because they're, in their minds, oh, I don't have anyone who speaks Spanish, right? They're thinking, oh, no, I can't, I can't do that. Well, you know, if you look in terms of um, language in this country, um, second, third generation Latinos who are outpacing the immigrants, even though we're seeing a lot of the news about the border crossings right now, um, but immigration in itself had started to slow down here in the United States. The growth of the Hispanic market was coming from the par our parents who were having babies and their babies. So a second, third, fourth generation, and all of them are speaking English. You know, I, I, when I wake up, I'm watching CNN and I'm reading the LA Times. I'm not going to Univision and Telemundo, although here in Los Angeles and New York and Miami, if you look at the number one 6 p.m. primetime broadcast news show, it is Univision that has the highest audience numbers. It's not ABC, it's not NBC, it's Univision. If you listen, if you look at the numbers for morning drive time radio shows, it's Spanish language that has the largest audience numbers, not um, English language radio. So there's, and those are major markets, LA, New York, Miami, Chicago. So if you are doing business in any of these markets and not identifying that as a potential, like, like miss, then that, CEO needs to find another chief marketing officer and or another, you, you need to get another job because yeah, I'm sorry to say it's just, but it's, it's understanding that language is just one part of the mix. It's understanding the culture. I always let people know I am bicultural, meaning I live, breathe, smell and eat um, every day because where I live and how I was raised the Latino culture, right? Um, there's, there's, there's value to that. And that insight that I have as a marketer for a brand is invaluable. And it's, it's being able to offer that counsel to, to organizations that are kind of thinking about it. There's a lot of, there's enough of us out there. There's enough business out there um, 
that I am happy if anyone else to reach out to me and I'm not the person for them, I'm the first one, I will find someone for you who I think would be a great um, connection for you to, to meet and talk about um, doing some multicultural work. Well, Stephen, you you do great work in this area, obviously, and and I think we we hit it on the head here, saying that it's not just a moral imperative, DEI, not just a moral imperative, but really a business imperative um, for those people and those brands and those organizations who want to reach out and broaden their audience and do just do a better job all the way around. So, thank yeah. you for your work in this area, uh, and, and I really want to. Uh, continue the conversation offline. Um, we are, however, going to segue into the rapid fire question portion ah! of our podcast. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, I know, God. I know you're, you want this bad. I know. Bring it, bring it. Right. This is where we steal a page from inside the actor studio. We ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions meant to elicit a simple answer, maybe a laugh or two. Stephen, I know we're going to get some good ones from you. So here we go. Rapid fire question number one What is your favorite news source? CNN. Any particular show or time of I'd day? I watch it all day long. If if I wasn't on this interview, it would just be plain <laughs> in my office. <laughs> I don't turn it off. Um, yeah, but, you know, my husband's like, when? Like he he cannot stand listening to me. It's so frustrating <laughs> hearing, particularly because you know that's all about politics in D.C. and he 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 hates everything around politics. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. He'd rather watch his British murder mysteries than CNN. Oh, they, well, yeah, but see, every relationship has to have balance. Every relationship, yeah, it really does. That's All it. right, rapid fire question number two: What is your favorite social media platform? Uh, you know, I Instagram. I find myself now. I would say eighty percent of the time on Instagram. I'm not a TikToker. Okay. <laughs> um, LinkedIn is professional and. Facebook, I've just, it just burns me out during the whole um, election cycle. I have more yeah. fun on Instagram. It's more creative, yeah, more visual. Definitely, definitely agree. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? Or God, substitute your favorite. Or alcohol. <laughs> you, I was going to say coffee or tea. Ooh, I would say coffee with the Lua. Let's mix the book. Nice. Nice. There you go. Rapid fire question number four. What is your favorite on the run food? Uh, it's got to be burritos here in LA. You know, you, you're running, you're running, you go through a drive through get a carne asada burrito with rice and beans and some good salsa. And you you just drive, continue driving, holding on to that flour tortilla and warmth and goodness. Oh my goodness. I am hungry now. <laughs> rapid fire question number five Stephen. what do you want to be after you finish this career i want to be rich and famous i want to be uh... <laughs> yeah i, well, you I already I, I you wanna... already must be famous i mean come on i want to be happy i i want to be happy that is the best goal of them all well, Stephen. Yeah. this has been a great conversation please let people know how they can find you online yeah, find me on my website, www.chavezpr.com. You can email me at Stephen with a P-H, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N at chavezpr.com. You can then find me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at 
Stephen Chavez, PR. Wonderful. Thanks again, Stephen. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at JodyFisherPR.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast. Yeah.